It's time for JT the Brick. Did I miss anything? If these guys on this team aren't as pissed off as I am by the coverage of the national media, the amount of disrespect I see this team getting, these guys should be angry and pissed off at the way they're being treated and looked at. Most people don't think that the Raiders are going to compete and do anything. They all think we suck. Always negative on the Raiders nationally. As the pundits are saying we're a four-win team, we're a five-win team, but I am specifically calling out some of the loud voices in the Raider Nation. JT the Brick. It's Raider bias. It's the whole reason I'm on the radio is to just try to control the narrative a little bit better. Now I got your attention. On good days, we need to be great. Put that in a promo in three, two, and one. On good days, we need to be great around here. Do we all agree? And now, the Pied Piper of Raider Nation Radio. Here's JT the Brick. All right, busy hour. Hour number two of the show. My conversation with head coach Josh McDaniel. Daniels at about six, seven minutes. Stick around for that. Then Lincoln Kennedy, as we will play some of our, we're not going to play the whole thing. We're going to play some of Lincoln's conversation with myself, Eddie Pascal, that we did on Raiders Roundtable as we preview the Denver Broncos. And that's what we're talking about. Taking your calls the rest of the show. Uh, this hour brought to you by Tequila Comisario, our new tequila partner here. Fantastic partnership we have. The Añejo, the Extra Añejo. The Resposado, the Blanco, all of their fine tequilas. We are thrilled to have a tequila partner on this show, along with the Maloofs, who are part owners of this product here. Fantastic friends of mine over the years. Uh, Cisco, president of the Black Hole in Vegas and a proud partner of the show. Cisco, lay it down for me. What do we got? Hey, JT. Happy Friday to you, my brother. You too, my friend. What's happening? Oh, man, just a whole lot, man. You know, like you said, a proud partner. I mean, uh, man, I hope uh, our team's going to have a good year is the way our year's starting out. Um, partnering up with you, partnering up with Mandalay Bay, Eye Candy, the folks over there, and MGM Properties, we got a lot going on this year, man. So Raider Nation, when you come out to Vegas for, for the home games, we got you covered. Got you covered on all areas, all areas you need, man. And, and we're just so excited. Uh, we're also partnered up with Parkway Taverns, our home away from home for every away game. Be out at the Volunteer out in Henderson across from the M. And I uh, hope you, after the show, come out and hang out and have a couple of cold Modellos with us. And, uh, yeah, man, just just really excited. My prediction for Sunday, I'm going 14-28. Raiders. All right. So 28-14 Raiders here. And Cisco, for everybody who wants to be a Black Hole member, we've been preaching this when me and you were sitting out in the middle of the night with Black Hole Rob trying to build the Black Hole from the beginning here and the group that really built it before I came around. And now as we work together here, I think the key is just going to theblackhole.com and click on membership, get the discount, get some gear, unbelievable website with a lot of offerings there. And become a member of football's most notorious fans. It's that easy to do off the website. It is that easy, JT. You said it. Just a couple clicks and your family become family and become notorious. That's all we say. You got it, buddy. I'll talk to you this weekend. Go Raiders. Yes, sir. There he is, Cisco, checking in. Black Hole, proud partner of our show. My conversation with head coach Josh McDaniels, brought to you by Tequila Comisario, our new proud partner. Known to create tequila connoisseurs, 
Tequila Commissario. Expectations are defined as elegant, balanced, elevated, and distinguished. Here's my conversation with the coach. We welcome in head coach Josh McDaniels. And, Coach, great to see you again. How about the studio? It's good to see you. This is, uh, this is a new experience for me. I kind of like this. It is great. Our podcast studio, we do a lot out of here. I want to begin because I'm a stat guy, and we talk a lot of stats once we get into the season, but it's yep. week one. How do you approach it? There's a new head coach in Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. You've had success against Denver, but you got new players, and so does the Broncos. Yeah, this is always a, uh, an experience unlike any other game you play during the course of the season. Um, we kind of uh, reference it like it's a training camp practice against another club where you go into it, you don't really know, uh, you don't have a real, a real, real scouting report because you haven't seen anything in real live games yet. Um, you know, the, the players, you kind of have an idea of where they're going to be and who they are. Uh, but again, we haven't seen, you know, the, the real schematic things that they've worked on behind the scenes and they, they haven't seen us either. And that's going to happen in 16 games across the league this week. So, um, the biggest thing for us is we have a certain amount of game film that we watch from the preseason. We pull from things from last year a little bit. And in Sean's case, some of the stuff that he did in New Orleans, um, but at, at the end of the day, this is really about following your rules and knowing what your plan is and going out and executing your job, regardless of what you see. I know you have a lot of respect for Coach Payton. You competed against him a bunch. So mm-hmm. this is unique. It's his first game there in front of a hostile environment, and he's been working with Russell Wilson. I want to jump in on Russell Wilson because he's a guy who can make a lot of plays outside the pocket. He can run for first downs, yep. and he can throw deep outside the pocket. How important is it to contain him? Yeah, this, this guy's got uh, a lot of skill and a lot of talent. He's obviously won a lot of games in our league and been very successful. And um, he can do it with his legs, uh, but he certainly is more than capable of doing it with his arm. And we've, we've talked a lot about those two things in concert with one another because he's really at his best when you give him space, you allow him to move, and he can access all areas of the field at the same time, which there's some players in this league that can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell can. And so – uh, we have to be disciplined up front with our rush lanes. We have to do a good job of containing him uh, if we're the edge rusher. And uh, we got to do a good job of defending the deep part of the field. All of those things are part of our keys to victory. And you got new players on defense, and we'll get to that. But I wanted to talk about Tyree Wilson and Malcolm Kuntz and Max and this pass rush to contain him in the pocket or to chase him down when he decides he's just going to tuck it and run. Yeah, we, you know, again, a lot of what I just said is going to fall at those guys' feet. Yeah. You know, they understand the challenge. Um, and every player can't be responsible for all those things at the same time. So um, each man's going to have to do his part in the rush. Some guys are going to have to be in front of him. Some guys are going to have to try to close it from the side. Uh, we certainly don't want to be behind him because if we're all behind him, then there's nothing in front of him, and, and that's when he really uh, makes a lot of plays with his legs. Epps was brought in to be a guy who can contain and come into the box and defend the deep ball. What did you like about him throughout preseason camp before that, especially his leadership? Yeah, he's just been he's been a really good positive leader uh, for our entire defense, our secondary, our safety group. Uh, since he walked in the door, uh, he just has a presence about him. He's very mature. He's intelligent. He understands the entirety of the call. It's not just his job. He understands what the corners are doing, what the nickel's doing, uh, what the linebackers are doing. He's a great communicator. And so very consistent approach to him every day, every play. Um, does his job well, does it at a high level, and 
Um, you know, we were looking for some, you know, for somebody that, to be able to do that and have that kind of impact. And um, obviously, Marcus was, was voted a captain here, so he, he's certainly doing it now. I've heard this message from you, and I've heard it from Dave a number of times, physical, disruptive, smarter players. Yeah. Getting your hands on the ball. This is something you've been preaching in front of me, talked about it in the preseason. How does that affect this game and just knocking balls down at the line of scrimmage or in the secondary yeah. and how you've been preaching that to the whole defense? Yeah, look, the, 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 the quickest way to turn a game sideways, you know, is to create turnovers on defense or in the kicking game. Or if you do, if you do a poor job of doing it yourself offensively and give the ball away. So um, we've worked at it uh, endlessly. Uh, the guys have really poured into what we're trying to do. Uh, it doesn't necessarily manifest itself in seven disruptions a day or anything right. like that, but I think it's more more the awareness and the intent and the understanding of how big of an impact it would have in the game. So um, throughout the spring and summer, we've really we we've seen progress in that area, um, and hopefully we can get a few uh, on Sunday in Denver. I, along with the fans, are fired up with this offense. You get Josh Jacobs back. We talked yep. about that at the state of the team. Yep. And now I look at his numbers, not only in this series against Denver, but what he did last year. From the time he came into the building, before you get on the plane to head out to Denver, what have you seen leadership and especially with his physical presence coming back? Yeah, he's, uh, his personality is infectious. Um, his, his awareness, he's in the moment every single part of the day, meetings, walkthrough, uh, at practice, to, to, doesn't matter what the period is. He's working all the time to try to get better. Uh, he pushes himself uh, and then demands from his teammates. And so um, anybody like that, and, and couple that with the fact that he's a great player, um, he has a tremendous amount of respect from our team already, was voted a captain. Um, and, and again, he'll continue working all the way up until kickoff to make sure he's ready to go to do his part on Sunday in Denver. One of your other cop- captains, Devontae Adams, I watched him at the press conference. He is dialed in. Oh, you could just tell <laughs> with the look that he has there, the leadership of Devontae taking this team with you, this whole roster on the road. What have you seen from him from last year where he was very successful in this matchup? Mm-hmm. What do you expect from him in this game? Yeah, he's, he's laser focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is a guy who hasn't missed a practice since I've been here. You know, And uh, as a guy who's had the type of success that Devontae's had throughout the course of his career, you might think that you know he's, he's days off and all that. That's not him. You know, he's a worker. And so he's preparing really hard to, to play his best and demands from his teammates, approaches practice the same way. And um, he's done a great job of leading our group, uh, in his receiver group, our offensive unit, and our team. So um, just looking forward to having an opportunity to go into our second year here together. And um, I know he's, he'll, his presence will be felt. Before we get to your captains and wrap this up, I wanted to talk about the growth of the O-line. When we sat here last year, we were coming off – a preseason where you had seven, eight guys, you were trying to figure it out. What's yeah. changed this year? Yeah, I think, you know, Greg's really come in and, and kind of solidified himself on the right side at guard. And um, and a lot of the, the guys that played last year are back and are now, I'd say, more comfortable with one another. Every one of them is more comfortable with the terminology, mm-hmm. the communication between one another. Um, and they're working together extremely well. So, um, I'm excited about this group. I know they're excited and eager to play. Um, they got better and better as the season went on last year, and uh, we're hoping to get off to a good start endeavor. Okay, let's talk about your captains and overall the decisions there. You get some big-time leaders here, some alphas in the room there. What was that yeah. process like? Yeah, I mean, you know, you give uh, the team an opportunity to go through the spring and summer. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then we finally end up, you know, at our, at a roster cut down. And then at that point, it's time to allow the players to, uh, decide who they really want to step out in front and mm-hmm. lead, lead them, um, and, and help make decisions that are best for this football team. So I thought the, the guys that we voted captain on defense, Robert Spillane, Epps and Crosby, offensively, Colton Miller on the offensive line, Devontae, Josh and Jimmy, uh, and then both of our kickers, AJ and Daniel are phenomenal leaders. Uh, all those guys work diligently every day to be their best and then pull their teammates along with them. So I was really proud of our team. Um, you know, that was pretty clear to see who they wanted to lead them. And those guys will, will meet the task. Last one, the fans. You know, and you, we've talked about a lot last year, that the yep. fans were there for you on the road. When you yep. come out of the tunnel, you know Raider Nation is going to be there, especially yep. in this game. They find their way to Denver <laughs> at mile high. So a message to the fans as you get ready to kick off the season, Coach. Yeah, we're excited. This is, I mean, I, again, it, that was my first opportunity to really feel this mm-hmm. and understand what this was all about. Now I have a, a completely different uh, idea of what this support is on a week-to-week basis. And I know they'll be there in Denver. Um, I expect them to be loud, and, and we expect to, you know, to, to play well and yeah. go out there and give them something to, to, to cheer about, to yell about, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing them at the end of the game. Good luck in Denver. Thanks a lot. All right, my conversation with Coach McDaniels. We'll do that every Thursday. It'll be on the Silver and Black television show. We'll repurpose it here. It will live on YouTube and all the other Raider platforms. And, again, first, first one this year. And it's a pleasant conversation. But the Chandler Jones topic was off the table because it's a personal issue. And it's been off the table to Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, Vinny Bonsignor, everybody. So this is the in-house team interview that we do. And, you know, there are times when they're not winning, we go through it. Why? Last year, it got interesting in a couple of those games. We had to go through what happened with those blown leads. I had to sit in front of them and go, what happened in this lead, that lead? And he was honest about all of it. He's a straight shooter. He's a straight shooter. And he's a savant when it comes to knowledge of football. But he's got to win. We all know that. And I think the Raiders are very prepared with Josh McDaniels. Not many people around the league would say you're not playing Josh McDaniels. You're playing a prepared football team because he lives and dies this. And now they got to win some games, no doubt about it. Hey, last night we had a great event to kick off Thursday night football at the proper bar at the proper Eats Food Hall. So it's on the second floor of Aria. So when you go into Aria, you take the escalators up to the second floor and Proper Eats Food Hall. So many different restaurants. I think there were nine. And there was an oyster bar there, and there was a convention of people that were in from out of town, and they were there having a blast, and we were there for a couple of hours. Brought to you by Remy Martin. Had the Tropic Thunder. Had a few of those. And they were very tasty. Mount Gay Rum. The Tropic Thunder, fantastic. So I want to thank the whole team at Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Thanks for having us out there last night. A great crowd, and if you're inside Aria, take the escalator to the second floor and check out the Proper Eats Food Hall. It was great. Nice crowd, big crowd yesterday to kick off our coverage of the NFL on Raider Nation Radio. Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. When we come back, you'll hear my conversation with Lincoln Kennedy. Lincoln had a lot to say. What we're going to do, and we have good content, and I'm a part of it, we're going to play it. And this is Raiders Roundtable, Edition 1, and I thought Lincoln was really good about this game in particular. Remember, Lincoln went into Denver and had snowballs thrown at him with batteries. He does not like the Denver Broncos.
mean, you can see it at, at any point, no matter where you're at in your, you know, your your development. Um, it's, it's easy to see when a guy gets it and very mature. Um, obviously, there's hundreds of things to work on. I mean, I got a whole lot to work on still. So, so obviously, things you can build on, but the type of questions that he has, the detail that, that he has, the way he studies and the way he goes about it, not a big talker. You know, he kind of he's, he's like an old school rookie the way you want him. So, um, like I said, when, you, when they're that way, it makes everything a lot more smooth and easier in the room. Devontae. I'm super positive with Devontae's body language. He looks kind of angry and mean, and I like that. Turn this up. This is a new Stone song. I, won't be angry with you. I met my wife at a Stones concert, and they're still putting out new music. Unbelievable. Hey, we put out new content. Raiders Roundtable gets a big download on YouTube. I'm proud of that. I do it with Q Myers. Q was out at ESPN all week. Congrats to Q. We had Eddie Pascal. Step in for Q along with Lincoln Kennedy looking ahead to the Broncos. We're back on Raiders Roundtable brought to you by America First Credit Union. That's Eddie Pascal. We bring in the great Lincoln Kennedy. And Lincoln, good to be back. Another year with you on the roundtable. And I want to start off with the first series against the Rams. When we were in L.A., we went to the joint practices. Then we got a chance to see the Raiders and Jimmy Garoppolo go 4-4 four four for 39 yards, 107.3 rating. What could you tell us when the starters got in what you saw in L.A.? Well, first of all, it was refreshing to see that play in a preseason game. You know, we haven't had the luxury of seeing that over the last couple of years. Uh, and I thought it was good for the team. I, I remember talking to Josh, Josh McDaniels uh, in the production meeting and, and just finding out he wanted to see these guys sort of click together. So it's a good sign. And with only being, you know, with these days only having three preseason games, it puts a lot more pressure on coaches. Coaches get a lot more out of the inner squad practices or practicing against other teams uh, throughout the preseason rather than putting them in the, in the preseason game you know, worrying about injury, but it was really refreshing to see. I thought both sides of the ones have clicked. There was good energy. And so I'm really excited about this game against Denver. You know, Link, we look at Jimmy G's line, and we talked about a 4-4, yards, 107.3 passer rating. But for a guy like Jimmy who hasn't played football in a long time, like how valuable is it just to get hit, just to break a sweat, just to feel uncomfortable back there for a little bit leading into week one? Well, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's valuable for certain veterans that have played a lot, but I think when you talk about coming to a new team and a new coaching staff and a new system and new playmakers around you, look, Eddie and JT, no receiver runs an out pattern the same way. So you got to get familiar with that in game speed. And that's what Jimmy G was able to do with the one's offense. And I think that's important, that timing, that game speed timing, because I know it's preseason, but you still can't duplicate that type of speed when you're doing practices or even when you're practicing against other teams because there's something that's not missing. Uh, there's always something that's missing. You know, when you talk talk about the 707 drills, there's no pass rush. Mm -hmm. So there's no feeling of, you know, being uncomfortable. And when you talk about full team, everything is is sort of slated. The coaches, you know, uh, script everything out. So if you're going to play cover two, I'm going to run this type of play. So, I mean, it's it, it's a little bit better for them to have that game time feeling and, that, and just have that lather and know what it's like to get that game time routine. Lincoln captains were announced here. Not a lot of surprises. Jimmy G, Devontae, Colt Miller, Josh Jacobs, who's back in the building. Then we'll go Mac Marcus Epps, a new player, and Robert Spillane. And then on special teams, two of the best, Carlson and Cole. I want to begin Lincoln with Epps and Spillane. I think they are critical to this season here. They come in and they're captains, and they've never played a game as a Raider. Spillane, let's start with him and what we didn't get a chance to see him much in the preseason, but at practice, what do you like about his game, especially trying to set up this defense? 
His ability to cover a tight end or a back out of the backfield is absolutely essential to this defense's success. More importantly, getting everybody lined up in the Patrick Graham defense is important. But I would say this, you know, from what I've seen through training camp or what I saw, and, and, you know, especially when they practice against the 49ers, you know, Robert Spillane had stood out. I mean, he really did. He made a name for himself. And I think he took a lot of pressure off of Diablo and the others, you know, Luke Masterson and the other guys around him because he is a veteran and he knows how to get to play in and out and get everyone lined up. Same thing can be said about Epps. I thought it was tremendously uh, impressive to see Epps come in and instill. A lot of times when free agents come to new teams, guys, they're a little reluctant and hesitant to be boisterous or outspoken in the locker room on the football field. But I think that something that this team has been lacking for quite some time, and you've seen the young guys sort of, uh, sort of emerge, like the Max Crosbys and the Josh Jacobs, into that position. But you, this team needs senior leadership. This team needs guys who've been around, who played, and who can absolutely – instill themselves not only in the locker room but also on the football field by the way they pro the way they play. You know, Lincoln, switching to the offensive side of the football, and, and I mean this in the best possible way, it feels like Colton Miller is a little bit of the forgotten man, right? Mm. Just a guy who shows up to work every day, does his thing, locking down the left side of that offensive line. When you look at Colton this year going into the season, uh, Link, what do you want to see from him? What have we continued to see from him? And because in my opinion, he's quietly become one of the really, really good uh, premier left tackles in the NFL. Well, first of all, Eddie, you said earlier in this broad, this podcast that, uh, you know, we're not talking about offensive line. I know we're not talking about sexy. I take offense to that. I, I, th- I think we're incredibly sexy. <laughs> and look, it's just – here's the thing. You know, when you talk about Colton Miller, and I, I had this conversation with somebody in, in training camp talking about how he is underrated. Yes, he's underrated. But when it comes to offensive line, the first thing that stands out when you talk about national stats or recognition is the overall production of the offensive line. You get some sort of recognition and notice, you know, when you have a tremendous year, you know, for, for example, when we played, when I played, you know, one year we had the number one rushing offense, the following year we had the number one overall offense, then your offensive linemen start to stand out. And that's what's going to happen with Colton Miller. I do think he's one of the top three tackles in the league. Okay, I I do think that. But a lot of people don't recognize it because the Raiders haven't had a ton of success. you got to have success for those offensive line to be recognized. I'm happy you brought that up. I'm saying this year he's a pro bowler. He should be a pro bowler. I mean, the Raiders drafted him correctly. He's fantastic. He's an Iron Man. This should be the year. And how did he not get more recognition last year when they led the league with the leading rusher? So I, I think he he's one of those guys that you don't see the chip on him. I don't see. I saw the chip on Lincoln his entire career. When I I always talk about Lincoln warming up on the sideline, seeing Lincoln in the locker room after a game. I always saw the chip with Lincoln. You don't see that all the time with Colton Eddie. He's not one of those guys who walks around the locker room or warms up the way Lincoln does. He just goes about his job and he's a great player. Yeah, I mean he's not a rah rah guy, but no. you don't need him to be a rah-rah guy. I think, and we've we've seen this from Jimmy, and he talks about it a lot, just be yourself. That People mm. ask Jimmy about his leadership style and where it came from. He goes, I'm just being myself. And I think to a guy like Colton, he's just being himself. He's a quiet, understated, lead-by-example kind of guy. And hey, we talked about it earlier, JT. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Lincoln, let's and when get... it comes to offensive line, JT, I mm-hmm. just want to add one more point. When it comes to offensive line, offensive lines are graded off of consistency. And as a collective unit, they're graded off of consistency. So if one guy breaks down, it looks bad for the offensive line collectively. If you have a, 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 a an iron front up front, collectively, then you'll have your individual recognition. And that's what I think the Raiders are on par to do something this year. Even with the changes they made to the offensive line, I'm really interested to see how they perform. All right, Lincoln, let's go to your biggest takeaway from the preseason. 
I love the balance, guys. I love the balance. Mm. The fact is we have a number of notable receivers that can catch the ball. You're not out there trying to toss it around. I love the balance that I saw, you know, with the running game and the passing game. And I think that's going to be critical. You have to have balance because, you know, Eddie alluded to it, JT, you talked about it as well. If they focus on one guy, somebody else is going to have to have production. I like the downhill running. I like the isos, the blast where they're running between the tackles. More importantly, I like the fact that they were able to experience uh, experiment with the outside tosses and the sweeps to maybe get outside the box. These are all critical. These are all things that the Raiders, I know they had the rushing champion last year with Josh Jacobs, but these are things that are valuable because when people load the box and you have defensive ends that sometimes like Max Crosby want to slant in, you got to be able to get to the outside. Therefore, you have to have a good blocking tight end. You got to have guys in place that know what their, their assignment is. And more importantly, when they bring that eighth player down in the box, you got to have to, a capable receiver that can go in and dig that receive that, that safety out. We saw all that during the preseason. That was really good for me. Yeah, I mean, Link, we talk about that balance on offense and how important it is, and I think you hit the nail on the head, where especially for a team like this, when you have Josh Jacobs, when you have a Jimmy G, that balance is important. But you look at the defensive side of the football, and I think for me, I was so happy, JT, the fact that this defense continued to uh, force takeaways. We mm-hmm. saw it in practice, we saw it in the joint practices, and ultimately we saw it in the preseason. So, Link, what, how important is it to see it as a defense, but not only just in practice, but see it continually through the preseason as we get ready for week one? Eddie, we're going to have to see the same energy that we saw in the practices against the Rams and the 49ers brought to the field collectively. And I use that word again because it's a, it takes 11 guys out there. You can rely on Max Crosby all you want, but there's going to have to be other guys that are going to chip in because when they try to take Max Crosby out of it and they double-teamed him a lot, and especially in the second year, and tried to double-team him last year to no success, he was still a beast. But there's going to be guys that are going to – there are going to be teams that are going to be game-planning for, for Max Crosby. Someone else is going to have to step forward. Coverage on the back end is absolutely essential. You know, Mary and Epps are going to have to learn how to cover these effective tight ends, especially in our division. And these quarterbacks that are capable of stretching the field, they're going to have to be well-disciplined. More importantly, they're going to have to take advantage of the opportunity of getting turnovers. How many drop balls did we see in the preseason in games? How many drop possible interceptions? Those are going to be huge as far as changing the tide of a game and changing the flow of a game. That's why it's absolutely essential this defense be better in those areas. Well, the word that Dave Ziegler uses all the time is disruptor. He wants smarter and faster players. You hear that all the time, but he wants disruptors. And he drafted, I think, his first disruptor, which was Tyree Wilson. And he got up to speed, played a little bit in Dallas. We got a chance to talk to him after the game in the locker room, another composed, kind of quiet guy. And he is critical coming off the edge because depending on what goes on with Max on the other side with the double teams that we see, Lincoln, he's got to have a big rookie year. I know they wanted to get him through the injury. Get They drafted a player that they knew wasn't at 100%. That showed to me how much they loved this player. They knew his timeline would be right. I spent pretty much the entire offseason on Raider Nation Radio calming everyone down. Is Jimmy G going to be healthy? Yes, he's got plenty of time. Is Tyree going to be healthy? Yes, it was easy to see the timeline on this. But now, Lincoln, Tyree Wilson, first three out of four games are on the road. And going up against Josh Allen after Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert is right there, and then Pittsburgh comes here for the home opener. I got to see something out of him, and I want to see him bat down balls. I think at the line of scrimmage, if he can't get home, knock a couple of balls down and be that disruptor. Well, he's long, he's mm-hmm. strong, he's athletic, he's everything that you want in a defensive end. And the reason why the Raiders drafted him in their, with their first pick. The thing is, is that, guys, he needs reps. 
He just needs game speed reps. He, he, he's capable because we've seen what he's, he's able to do in college. He had the one tackle in the Dallas game and got out there and got the field. He's got to get those reps against those starting offensive tackles in the National Football League. He's got to see them first and foremost. So the great thing about starting off with Denver, we have to play Denver twice. He's going to get two, two cracks at Bowles, the left tackle, uh, if he's out there playing mm. against, you know, playing against Denver. These are critical reps for him. And as far as his experience and growth, he'll watch Max Crosby. He'll try to duplicate the energy. He knows Chandler Jones. He'll try to duplicate that energy. So he has guys around. Around him that he's seen before and that he's watched before all through training camp, he just needs game reps. I don't think I think he's going to be fine now that he's healthy and the, and, the, and the training staff did a great job of just slowly bringing him along, showed his progression and the, and the fact that he got on the football field in the Dallas game was good. Uh, th- he just needs NFL reps. Mm-hmm. You know, JT, I want to go back to something that you said real quick, though, where you talk about the fan base and kind of the, I don't want to say the the overexcitement, but we talk about, hey, is Jimmy G going to be ready to go? He was. Is Tyree Wilson going to be ready to go? He was. I think that it says a lot about this staff, that mm-hmm. everything they've said is going to happen in terms of timeline, where guys are, what they're going to be able to do to contribute has come to fruition. And I think that's a very important kind of baseline to set headed into 2023. This guy was drafted to be a pro bowler. We didn't know Max Crosby when he was drafted. We didn't know if he was going to be elite. He's beyond elite. Max is building a career that looks to be a gold jacket somewhere down the road. He wasn't taken number seven overall. Tyree was, Lincoln. I'm not, you make a great point. He needs reps. I'm looking at this Denver game saying anything he gives us is great. If he has a sack, a sack and a half, he bats down a ball, fantastic. But as his cardio builds and as he gets those reps, Lincoln, he has got to be a stud. He's seventh overall, the first pick for the Raiders in the draft, and he's an impact guy, and they passed on a first cornerback overall. They passed on you know another type of player on offense that could have been help to the team. So I love this kid. I've been in NBA locker rooms. He looks – I can't even describe what he looks like. He's a stretch like. four. He looks like Kevin Durant. He now. looks like Kevin Durant with big muscles. He's like <laughs> a LeBron in a way, and I'm expecting him to have a big year. And, Lincoln, we want to now move into the Broncos as we have you here. This is a massive game. Before you came on, and you'll be on the call with Jason Horowitz, I've been saying if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They fired two head coaches in Denver. They couldn't beat the Raiders. You lose, You know this. You despise Denver. I think that's the one team you wanted to beat more than anyone is the Raider. Now Sean Payton comes in. He is a hell of a coach. He's a potential Hall of Famer, some people think. But Lincoln were catching him week one, and it looked like he tried to fix Russell Wilson. He told him, get your guys out of the locker room, lose some weight, be leaner, and listen to authority. And I think Sean Payton's got a lot of power, Lincoln, in that, in that organization, but it is his first game. Well, the organization gave up a lot of collateral to get Russell Wilson. They also gave up a lot of collateral to get Sean Payton. Yeah. And Sean Payton was always one of those coaches that wanted to get his guys as close to their college playing weight as possible. That's one of the things I remember about mm-hmm. Sean Payton. So what he was able to do for 15 years down in New Orleans was absolutely impressive, bringing that city its first Super Bowl. And, of course, people think in Denver they want to see if they can bring that magic back so they're trying to retread these tires. It's going to be an interesting test. It's going to be interesting to see how Russell Wilson – you know, who I think is Mr. Improvisation. Mm-hmm. When he was at Seattle, he was one of those guys that you can never count out because if he scrambled out, he still had the ability to throw the ball around 50, 60 yards downfield. They don't have their receiver conglomerate like they normally would have, and I don't think Judy's going to play. I'll be interested to mm-hmm. see how that's going to happen. So they're going to have some injuries on that side of the ball. But I've said for the last couple of years that the Raiders have dominated the the the, the Broncos for the last three years. I've said they're just a quarterback away from figuring this thing out because they've got players. You mm-hmm. talked about their 
secondary. We talked about their defense. They made some changes on defense, but they still have the ability to stop the run and be stout defensively. Their their problem, their biggest problem last year was offense. And I think they might have that figured out when I watched the film on them, especially with their running game. So it'd be a great test for the Raiders. But nothing is forget nothing is uh, taken for granted, as yeah. you already know, JT. When you're playing against especially a division rival, it's not as hyped up as it was in the years past, especially when I played, how Denver despised us, but it's still there. It's still present because they want to get off the snide and they want to find a way to beat this team that they, they haven't been able to do in the last three years. You know, Link, week one is always such a unique kind of proposition. And JT and I were talking about this off the air. You know, week one is just so funky, for lack of a better term. How do you, from a game planning perspective, go about getting ready for a team, a Sean Payton-led team? You don't know exactly what he's going to bring to the table. It's week one. It feels like there's a lot of unknowns there, Link. How do, if you're head coach Josh McDaniels and his staff, how do you go about trying to put together the most comprehensive game plan uh, for a team that you're kind of, I don't want to say guessing about, but still have some things that you need to figure out a little bit? Well, Eddie, this is a classic case of making adjustments on the fly. Where you we get into a game and you see how the flow is going and you see what they're doing on both sides of the ball, you've got to make adjustments. Your biggest adjustments are going to come at halftime. You don't know. You don't know what you're looking at. You don't know what you're going to see. But at the same point, you're confident in what you can do on both sides of the ball. And that's why I think preseason is also important because you want to make sure everybody has their schemes and understands their schemes. And you want to do what you know how to do best. For example, in the offense, running between the tackles. You had success running between the tackles. Let's do that. You know, a, a big thing that I think the Raiders are still working on is their screen and draw game to help take pressure off the quarterback in that pass rush. And I think we've seen times at that. Heck, you remember the um, Josh Jacobs a couple of years ago in Denver when he had that screen for a touchdown. I stood up in the in the booth and I clapped because I was like, <laughs> I've been waiting for, for the scene of the screen to happen. So, um, you know, it's instances like that. As a team, Eddie and JT, you know what you're capable of. You know what your strengths are. You go out there and you try them. And if Denver makes adjustments and they're able to stop it, when you, you maybe turn the page and like try something different. Let's go something new. But it's always a game of adjustments, and I think that's essential this week. Yeah, as we opened up Raiders Roundtable, we told you Josh Jacobs is 7-0 and against the Broncos. 7-0, and his career versus Denver, he's averaging 103 yards a game, 4.7 a carry, 9 touchdowns. And last season, he averaged 126. Point five, almost five yards of carry and two touchdowns. And Max, Max has dominated Denver too. As we're looking at Josh here, he's unbelievable. Max, four sacks, uh, six tackles for losses. We're looking at Josh just running downhill. And what I love about these highlights, Eddie, with Josh, is that when he gets hit, he gets hit. He's going forward for another three or four or five yards. I think that's six on this one. Dude. Right, yeah. and, and that's what I love. He's pushing forward because as much as we talk about Denver's elite, and I think they're young and elite, and they're going to be really good in the back end of their defense, they're tacklers. They're more, they're more ball hawks than they are tacklers. So if Josh can get through to the next level, I think he can run over some of these guys and pick up more yards. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen it, right? We're looking at the uh, the evidence right here. Mm. And this is Josh does this against every every team, right? 31 other teams Josh Jacobs does this against. But for whatever reason, he must not like the color orange or he doesn't like Denver. I don't know what it is, JT, but it feels like he gets to another level he does. when he's playing the Broncos. And really, we talked about it a little bit uh, earlier, too. It's like, depending on where Josh is cardio-wise, similar to Tyree, mm. This is what Zamir White does also. Zamir White falls forward. Zamir does not go down at first contact. So if you want to lean on a defense, if you want to really exert your will and show this is who we are, this is the kind of game you go do it. Lincoln, the issue here is Denver knows this. Okay, you played multiple Pro Bowls. You got a coach in Sean Payton who knows Josh Jacobs has destroyed this franchise. 
What is Denver going to do to try to sit here and game plan the game? Are they going to try to take him out of the game, number one, and have Jimmy G beat him in the air? What do you think the game plan is for Denver? Well, I, I expect it to be, as Sean Payton has already said, he doesn't necessarily particularly game plan for one particular player. He doesn't do that. Uh, and, but I know they're going to take notice. And there, here's the thing. Here's what we've seen in the past. Guys have loaded the box, have brought the eighth man down in the box, daring you to pass. I don't know if that's what Denver is prepared to do, but I have seen them stack the line of scrimmage. They play they, – at times when they the Raiders have played the Broncos, I've seen the old 46 bear defense where they load up mm-hmm. the offensive line, they put a man on everyone in the offensive line then they have a linebacker or safety free in 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 the box well what when you do that obviously you're taking you're making passing opportunities but you don't want to get away from the run you want to make adjustments sometimes you have to dig that have a receiver come in and dig that safety out or an extra man sometimes your running back has got to be your his own blocker but the great thing that you guys have talked about with jacobs and white is the same thing those guys run hard they run downhill and here's the thing i think what's going to happen this year Last year, Josh Jacobs carried the ball over 300 times. That's a great wear and tear on the body. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to have more running back by committee. And I think by having Zamir White take a bulk of the reps in the preseason, you show that ability that you have that transition and that little bit of a changeup. Because both of them run those isos and blasts a little bit different. Uh, and so we'll see how the, the, the Broncos make their adjustments. But I just expect... You know, trying to do a little bit more play action out of a I formation or a two-back mm-hmm. backfield. Uh, we saw that with the tight ends. We saw that with, with Jakob Johnson. He's the only fullback on the roster. But when you generally bring in Johnson, most teams will bring in another linebacker because they think you're going to run the ball. That gives you an opportunity to open up some uh, things on the back end with play action. You know, Link, to your point, I think we're definitely going to see a little bit more running back by committee, especially in these first few weeks of 2023 where we kind of gather where Josh is uh, football shape-wise. But, you know, we were talking about Max Crosby's line, Link, and JT Redd. You go four sacks, six tackles for loss, five quarterbacks hits, and a a forced fumble against the Broncos a year ago. What does it mean to a defense to have a guy like Max, a game-wrecking kind of guy, particularly on the road. We know going to Denver, that is going to be a hostile environment. These fans are going to be ready to rock week one. But you have a guy like the Condor, like number 98, who can silence a crowd. What does that do for an entire collective defense? Well, it, it really pumps you up because you know you got a playmaker, a guy who can make plays on the off- on the defensive line. And look, the re- the Broncos addressed it. They went out and got McGlinchey from San Francisco because they knew right tackle they, they was a big fall off. So they went out and got a veteran to try to, to handle Max Crosby. And that's why it's a collective effort on that front four. Even if Max is double teamed, somebody else has got to get open and disrupt the backfield. But, it, you know, you look at Max's energy, even when he wasn't on the field. Look at him on the sideline. He was on the preseason. I mean, he was yeah. getting everybody pumped up I mean he was getting everybody in that's what you want I mean that's a that's a leader he's only not he's not only a leader by his his ways and his actions he's also leaders by his comments and getting his teammates pumped up they feed off of that energy we didn't see a lot of that last year collectively as the defense there were times there were some letdowns but I think this defense is in a better position you know getting Marcus Peters having a successful draft getting Epps you got guys that can play and could play at a high level. That's what you need, especially in this highly competitive division. All right, guys, I'll go first. Here's my key to the game. Russell Wilson running. I've been pounding this. I'll pound it all week on Raider Nation Radio. I think the only chance Denver has of winning this game is third and six, third and eight, third and nine. Russell Wilson getting back to the old Russell Wilson where he looks over the field, They run a couple of deep routes. He sees it open, and he takes off. And it's going to be on Diablo and Spillane to stop him. Someone, Lincoln, I'll throw to you with a spy. You hear that term spy all the time. 
I don't see any part of their game plan. They can run it. they got a couple of good backs. But Russell Wilson spent the entire offseason being criticized from the Denver media, let alone the national media, that he's not the player. He lost the weight. He's more fit. I think if the Raiders can keep him in the pocket and not have him take off and run the ball and get him off the field, Lincoln, on third down, they'll have a better chance to win. I'm very concerned with Russell Wilson running the ball again. Well, it's a very tall task, JT. The fact is that ever since Russell Wilson has been in the league and he's learned how to use the ro- the rules of the for the quarterback to help him, he's either gotten out of bounds, he slid when he's running, but he's been able to get out of the pocket. He's that active, uh, and he and he and he's at that that athletic. And the thing about having a spy, you better have a spy that can keep up with him. You better have a spy that can run with him. Russell has some speed and he has some some elusiveness. So if you're going to spy, you're going to take another person out of a responsibility, you better make sure they can keep up with him. It, it's easier said than done to say that you want to keep him in the pocket. It, for me, it's just taking away his first and second read and making him more inclined to look at the rush rather than the survey down the field. Because when he looks at the rush, as a great Joe Bleagle once told me, if a quarterback looks at the rush, he can't throw downfield because he's not looking downfield. So mm-hmm. those are the things that I want to be able to take away. Take his eyes, harass him so so much, a collective effort by the defensive front, or whether you're blitzing or just rushing for to get to him and make him take his eyes off the receivers downfield and worry about the Max Crosby's or, 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 or some of the other guys out there. You know, Lincoln, week one is so important to set the tone for what this team wants to be, particularly on the road, going out, like we talked about, loud, raucous environment out there in Denver, really saying, this is who we're going to be in 2023. But particularly for the Raiders, Link, we go, well, this first four is tough, man. Tough, man. You go uh, on the road to Denver, on the road to Buffalo, back home, home opener against the Steelers, and Allegiant Stadium is going to be jumping Sunday for night. that one. Sunday night. Big dog football. And then back on the road against the Chargers. Link, when you have this kind of heavy influx of road games to start the season, is this an opportunity for the team to kind of have that opportunity to grow together, to bond. It almost feels, I don't want to say it's like training camp light, but you really get to look at the schedule and be like, hey, for the next four weeks, it's everyone against us. Well, it's it's always that week. It doesn't matter who you're playing or who we're playing, Eddie. I mean, everyone that despises the Raiders, and for the most part, we despise everyone that's outside uh, Raider Nation. So, you know, I, I think of it as a, a unique challenge. Most of the times, if I remember correctly, most of the time our first couple of games were at home, um, and, and, you know, and, and inside the stadium, and then we go on the road. But I look at it this way. Uh, when I remember the days when you look at the schedule when it came out, the first thing I remember looking at is when do we play Denver? in Denver, and when do we play Kansas City in Kansas City? Because mm. it's possibly two of the coldest games. Now, when you, when, you, when, you multiply, when you look at it you know, collectively, you got Pittsburgh at home, you got Buffalo early. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you got well. Denver early. These are things where if I was in that locker room, I'm like, you, yo, we need to take advantage of this because we got them on perfect terms. We don't have to worry about weather. We don't have to worry about any of that. Let's go out there and do what we do. We do best, and we do it now, and we do it early. And plus, you get off to a good start. Lincoln, safe travels to Denver. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for everything as always. See you guys. Lincoln Kennedy. We feature him in Raiders Roundtable along with Q Myers when Q jumps on. Starting this upcoming week, that's good content. Lincoln made a good point. We got two cold-weather teams on the road where we don't have to play in cold weather. Imagine if November, December on the schedule was at Denver, at Buffalo. That's another opportunity. We're brought to you by Boyd Gaming. Vote for them in all the best-of categories and a great place to watch a Raiders game inside the Bourbon Street Lounge.
I think they're focused on the the competition, you know, that we we have in front of us on Sunday and um, controlling what they can control. Uh, we've had really a really good week so far. Uh, looking forward to a good day today, you know, and uh, I know they want to finish off the preparation the best that they can today. And I've, I've been very proud of uh, just their approach in general and excited to see them play on Sunday, honestly. Coach McDaniels will join us every Thursday. We'll play it here on Friday, also on the Silver and Black Show. I was just texting Ed Graney, the great sports writer. I'm not talking good. He is elite. He wrote a good column on Chandler Jones. I recommend everyone read it at the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He puts a lot of this in perspective, how sad of a story this is for now, and hopefully it doesn't end up a sad story. We want to thank one of the all-time greats here, Charles Woodson, back with us again the Hall of Famer, the Raiders icon, built his legend on the gridiron. Now he took the same dedication to his new craft, Woodson Bourbon Whiskey, proud partner of our show, and more importantly, the Las Vegas Raiders. What a story this is about what Charles has done with his team. It's finished in the same wine barrels that Charles makes his wine, which gives it that spicy caramel finish. Go to WoodsonWhiskey.com to find a store near you that carries it. And here's the key for Charles. All you got to do is, if you're a whiskey drinker, and this is really good, this is a great product, just go to your favorite bar and ask for it. If they don't have it, you let us know. And then we get in touch with Charles' team, and we do a partnership, and we try to get his whiskey in as many establishments here in establishments in Vegas as we can. And I think we could all do that for Charles because Charles is building a business. He's very generous in the Raider Nation. So thanks again to Woodson Bourbon Whiskey, their proud partnership with our show, which is Really an honor for me getting to know Charles, and Charles is a friend all these years. Mike in Niagara Falls. How are you, Mike? Ahead. Mike is gone, and we knew that. You know something? I'm going to say something right here. And, Bobby, I know what you're going to say. This is me at this age in my life going to be a glasses half full guy. I got my bucket of Modellos. They're on ice. Wife put them on ice. I'm going home. I'm getting in the pool. But when you have a caller on hold after a conversation and a break, and he's the only caller on hold at the end of the week, there's about a 90% chance he won't be there. And I went to him. So that's not on you who screened the call. That's on me because we don't need the call. And I took it because I want to be generous here. So normally I'd kick the can. I'd be pissed. I'd go to the driveway. People say, what's, what's up with JT? He's leaving. No, I got my bucket of Adelos, ice cold. I'm not looking at my pool. I'm getting in the pool, and I'm going to have an unbelievable weekend. Going to Ed Sheeran. Wife's going to a lot of concerts. Wife's going to the Jonas Brothers. What is that? Girlfriends are going to the Joe Bros and Ed Sheeran. Uh, I'm going to watch some college football, hang out with my buddies. I'm going to go to La Casa Cigars. They're in Tivoli Village, our new cigar partner. Can't wait to have a cigar later on tonight here. And then a lot of content because football is here, so I'm going to catch up on a lot of shows. Oh, and Djokovic is beating Shelton, the American. 6-3, 6-2, 6-3, 6-2, it's 2-1 in the third. We want to see Alcaraz and Djokovic in the final, which will be great. And a little John going on. Djokovic is talking down to this little young guy from the United States, and John back at him. So I'm looking forward to watching the end of this tennis match. I'll tell you this much, I normally don't end a week talking about tennis, but I don't know how more people don't watch this. This is the most elite athletes in the world. The number one and two player are going to play in the final. It's just brilliant sports. Fantastic. Thanks to Bobby. Bobby, good to have you back. Uh, thanks to everyone behind the scenes who helped put the show together. Thanks to Vic Tafer today. Steph McKenzie, who jumped on board. Really appreciate her coming on. And then Lincoln Kennedy in the roundtable. Q's had a big week. 
And he's back from Bristol, I believe. And he's got a monster show lined up. And then we have a whole bunch of events with the Raider Nation. Uh, just keep it on your social media channel, which is Raider Nation Radio, to find out where we'll be all around town. A Sunday, Raiders pre- and post-game. I'm back with Eric Allen on the pre-game show. I do the post-game solo. And then I jump on Mad Dog Sports Radio Sunday night nationally, the longest-running radio football show in all the sports radio back on Sunday nights. Have a great weekend, everybody.